mentally knowing that like a medal is slipping away from you and you literally can't move your legs any faster it's just like the worst thing in the world OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar Right, let's talk about the game between Manchester United and Liverpool. I'm delighted to say Samuel Luckhurst is with us to help preview the game and maybe talk a little bit about what's going on in the background to it. Samuel, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on again. We were just chatting in the ad break about how repetitive this story is and how difficult it is to find something new to say about how badly run Manchester United are at the moment. And yet, maybe, maybe there's a little bit of green shoots with the signing of Casemiro. What's your instinct about the direction that we're heading in at the moment? It's it really is difficult to to keep up at times. In that, when the Casemiro reports emerged last week, immediately you thought that's that's not a goer. That that feels fanciful. Five times Champions League winner, joining Europa League fodder, a team who've just had their worst season in in decades, and yet three days later, United announced that they've signed him. It's, it's pretty clear what the main source of motivation is for Casemiro, but because United are desperate, because they are panic buying now, they're in a situation where anything goes, uh, they'll accept anything. In the case of Casemiro, he's got great pedigree. He was brilliant in the Champions League final in, in May against Liverpool. Um, you look at those Champions League final triumphs, he's, he's done it twice against Jurgen Klopp's team's so there are a lot of positives from it. I don't think it's necessarily a massive coup. I mean, ultimately, United have overspent a hell of a lot on someone who, although not ageing, is, is their peak years are probably behind them. And although he's got the World Cup coming up, so he needs to maintain rhythm there, he's on an obscenely long contract for a 30-year-old. And this is another common theme with Manchester United in that they can't help but dole out contracts that are far too long to players, whatever the age, uh, whatever the pedigree. And previously that was cited as um, you know, a, a flaw of the of the past regime. That was on Ed Woodward's watch. That wouldn't be happening again. But it is already happening. It's still too early to judge these players who are getting new contracts, these new signings. Uh, Lissandro Martinez is already on a, a six-year contract, effectively. And you've got and it's like Jamie Carragher saying that he can't he can't do it in a back back four in the Premier League. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. But as far as the management and the players are concerned, as as, as dreadful as it has been at the start of the season, some of them are going to need time. And understandably, the focus has been on the ownership over the last few weeks or so. Um, that focus on the ownership. Uh, we, we've actually seen that before, but it never really leads to anything. Is there any sense that it's different this time or is it just, is it chatter that people are trying to manifest into reality as opposed to something real? It's a good question. The fact that Sir Jim Ratcliffe has, well, his spokesman has, has come out and clarified that he is interested in buying Manchester United, which a lot of people have suspected for quite some time, Ratcliffe did an interview with the BBC earlier in the year where he, he practically said he would be, but that United weren't for sale. And it's still unclear if, if they are indeed for sale. I mean, the Glazer family are never going to comment on this. Um, they're, they're hermits, really. They're extremely reticent, extremely coy about their plans. There's not a lot of um, transparent communication. Joel Glazer has spoken to a handful of Manchester United fans on the fans, for, not the fans forum, sorry, um, a fans advi- advisory board. 
but I believe those fans who go on it have to sign a non-disclosure act. So nothing or very little comes out of those meetings, which, again, I don't think is particularly progressive for fan club relations when the co-chairman and the, the main owner and the, the man who's ma- mainly involved with the running of Manchester United on a day-to-day basis. I mean, believe it or not, Joel Glazer does hold daily calls with with people in Manchester about what's going on over here and what's the latest crisis. But it's not in the United fans' interest um, for these discussions to be held in such a, a discreet manner. But that's that's part of the agreement that uh, the, the club and these handful of fans settled on after the Super League last year. And I, I just think that although uh, there's, there has been a lot of noise over the last week, thanks to Elon Musk firstly, and then, as, as I said, some G- Sir Jim Ratcliffe did declare his interest, uh, we have seen this before, maybe not to this extent, but the Glazers are very stubborn. They can be very obdurate and there is safe distance between them and Manchester United supporters, which is the Atlantic Ocean. Joel Glazer has not been to United game in nearly three and a half years. It was a jolt to see Avram Glazer and, and Edward Glazer at the Brighton home game two weeks ago. They pick up their semi-annual dividend as as dreadful as Manchester United have been. And as, you know, as a brand, they are not... Um, they're not as uh, as great as they used to be, but they are still a very lucrative cash cow for for the Glazer siblings, and they they have no problem taking their semi annual dividend. Uh, you mentioned the the point earlier that uh, the long contracts were supposed to be the hallmark of the Woodward era, and yet here here we are, and the same thing has continued. Who's making that decision now? Is that is that Richard Arnold who, who was actually supposed to it look like separate the football and the the business, um, or is it? Uh, is it John Murta? Who's who's saying, yeah, actually the right thing to do here is to give Casemiro five years and to give anybody who's coming in a longer term contract than is generally the norm at the moment in the football world? Arnold would always have to request sign-off from Tampa and the family and mainly Joel Glazer on, on a signing on or a new contract. And you look at the... The, the picture last week, United had one of their worst defeats in, in maybe 50 years uh, at Brentford, getting in a Real Madrid midfielder who nobody really expected to leave Real Madrid this summer, who only signed a new contract at Real Madrid last year, signing him on a £70 million pound deal, uh, w- which it could eventually rise to, is good PR. Uh, it's it's a midfield signing. United, amazingly, had gone four years without signing an out-and-out central midfielder. So, at the end of the day, it's, it's clear who had who over a barrel there. I mean, when I mean Casemiro is getting potentially a five-year contract if if that plus one is is extended. That there's not another elite club in Europe that would have paid sixty million rising to ten million for a midfielder who had fallen down the pecking order at Real Madrid. And there's no way another elite club in Europe would have made that player one of their highest earners. That that's the desperate position Manchester United are in. The positive United is that they are signing a defensive midfielder and they are signing one of the best defensive midfielders. Whether he can maintain that level in the Premier League in a midfield that really is is, is non-existent, that, that doesn't have the any half the passing quality of the midfielders he was accustomed to playing with at Real Madrid. He had two of the greatest passers in, in, in probably the game's history in Tony Cruz and Luka Modric, either side of him. At United, he could have Scott McTominay and Fred either side of him on a on a weekly basis. In the case of Fred, he at least is, you know, is familiar with him. They, they do play 
regularly together for Brazil. They are their starting midfielders. They actually keep Fabinho out of the side. But speaking to uh, a, an agency contact last week, they they flagged that Casemiro's running stats are not particularly great. Which again, you, you it's not a great surprise. Uh, La Liga is quite a sedate pace. Real Madrid are bound to control most of the games that they play in. Um, I mean, I was told that his running stats are worse than Scott McTominay's, but that's 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 to be expecting that the Premier League is a much more frenetic pace. And also McTominay can be so careless with the ball, he ends up having to chase shadows. Uh, Samuel, what did, just to clarify like the, the mood on the ground in terms of the game tonight, I mean, what are we expecting in terms of the atmosphere and the the sort of the, the talk of protest or unrest or like what what is the sense of what's going to happen here tonight it's difficult to predict it's it's going to be quite virulent outside the ground ultimately this is a sold out game so despite pleas on social media to empty old trafford and for it to look quite sparse i think that would be a surprise in that it's one of the biggest games in in world football the demand to be at this game is still extremely high I think because of the the fixture and what happened with the the Super League protest in May of last year, some parallels have been drawn with that. But in that case, when United fans were were clear, well, a militant faction was certainly hell-bent on getting that game postponed. It was easier to do that then because it was a game that was played behind closed doors. Tens of thousands will be driving or travelling to Old Trafford tonight with every intention of clicking through the turnstiles. A lot of the protesters outside will be ticketless, which isn't a problem whatsoever. Some supporters are just disenchanted with following United. They don't want to pay the Glazer family. Um, that's that's perfectly principled. And I think a lot of the fans who are outside the Norwich game in April during those uh, quite, quite captivating protests were ticketless and it's bound to appeal to them. But as far as tonight goes, I don't think the Casemiro signing is necessarily going to dilute the protests from those who've organised this. But unfortunately, these protests, since they restarted or started by a particular group in April, they have been quite ineffectual. And when the, the attempt to walk out on a certain minute, I think during the Brentford game or the Chelsea game towards the end of the season, uh, you, you had the banner up, and the minute was the minute was still listed on the scoreboard that they were still actually inside the stadium. So, uh, that, I don't think they're re- ever really going to unsettle the Glazers. When, when the green and gold protest starts in 2010, which did have genuine momentum and really did become a movement for the four or five months that. Uh, it was sustained by the supporters. The Glazers actually became more present and uh, attended more games at Old Trafford because they felt as though they wanted to front up and show that they could take on these supporters and that they wouldn't be cowed by them. That's not going to happen now. Um, but as I said, Edward Glazer and, and Avram Glazer were at the Brighton game the other week and they had little or no problem getting into the stadium Whereas when the first time uh, the three siblings uh, visited Old Trafford after the takeover, I think it was Joel Avram and, and Brian, they needed a police escort to get out because there was an angry mob outside. Things have definitely changed on that front. Uh, to talk about the football for a change, which I know is kind of remarkable that um, there's going to be a match that happens. Uh, what do you expect from Manchester United tonight? And what do you expect from Eric Ten Hag tonight? Well, the players want a more pragmatic approach, which is almost an admission of defeat that they they don't have the skill set to execute 
his instructions or his game plan, which is why United need more signings beyond Casemiro, which is why Ten Hag has been targeting players he's he's familiar with. I mean, Casemiro, United tried to say he was high on their list of midfield targets, but I mean, sometimes you think, do they think we were born yesterday, that they were holding out for Frankie de Jong all summer because the manager really wanted him. And in the end, they've just had to walk away because... They didn't make any headway there in the last six, six weeks because of the wage deferral issue that De Jong's got at Barcelona. And really, from the outset, that was a deal that was fraught with problems because De Jong never really wanted to join Manchester United. So they've had to uh, rejig their plans. And although Ten Hag insists that, yeah, that the plans haven't changed at all, De Jong and Casemiro are markedly different players. And the way that midfield was exposed by Brighton, then even more so against Brentford. A defensive midfielder was always going to be non-negotiable, but it's not a coincidence that United have moved with uncharacteristic alacrity to get Casemiro in. Unfortunately, he's for them, he's not going to be available tonight. He's, he's still not been fully signed up. So it's, it, it's going to be fascinating to see what Ten Hag does with the midfield because he does not have the personnel there to, to stymie Liverpool. Liverpool have got some injury issues. They've not looked quite themselves in their first two games. Van Dijk has looked particularly vulnerable, which, which is unlike him. So there are, there are, there's some hope for United in that sense. But as far as the Liverpool midfield goes and Thiago not being available, the three midfielders who lined up in the 5-0 thrashing of United last season are available and they are still a far better team than United. It's a game that loomed rather ominously at the start of the season for United fans after Brighton and Brentford. It's it's looked like a terrifying prospect, but the fact that Liverpool haven't looked quite themselves and there has to, it can't get any worse. You would think from United's perspective after that Brentford game that does offer United fans some hope but again, I, I can't settle on a, a team where I think that United could absolutely certainly take on Liverpool toe-to-toe or give them a good game. Um, it's, it's, as, it's, it's a big test of what Ten Hag does and whether he does actually um, compromise his own ethos and, and, and principles and rein in what he wants to do because United are coming up against a team that have had their number in recent seasons. Mm. Like, what is compromising his principles in this game? Like, what is an approach that would represent that? Well, he tried to suggest that playing out from the back was was naive at Brentford, which it certainly was, and that he wanted United to draw them in and then go long. And I think Ten Hag, is, he told us in pre-season, I mean, that there's more than one way to skin a cat, effectively, in that he's not just hell-bent on playing um, beautiful total football or playing you know, the, the Cruyff way or, or the Ajax way. I think he's he's more than aware that in the Premier League, you're going to come up against various opponents and you, you, you will have to adapt your style from time to time. And he showed at Ajax that he's not got one fixed formation. He's, his first good team there, they played in the 4-2-3-1. His last good team that won the league title last season... It was more of a 4-3-3 and they had the, the focal point with Sebastian Haller up front, which is why it's it's always been a bit perplexing that people suggest that Cristiano Ronaldo can't play in a Ten Hag team when Sebastian, ha- Sebastian Haller did that, Ajax last season. But with this game tonight, he, he can't play McTominay and Fred because that, that was exposed last season and it was exposed in the very first game of this season. Uh, there are players in the attack. Bruno Fernandes has got 
a hell of a lot worse since he unsurprisingly got a new contract uh, in, in April, a, a contract that only added one year onto his ex, onto its expiry date, but he got a big pay rise. Wayne Rooney said in his Sunday Times column that he wouldn't start Marcus Rashford. There'll be a hell of a lot of United fans that agree with that because Rashford has just looked out of sorts for 18 months, it must be said now, at, at club level. Um, but the alternatives, the, the strength and depth, it's just not there. So the, Ten Hag is limited as to what he can do. If, if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was in this position, he would probably be, go to a back three. And yesteryear, he'd have ground out a pretty commendable draw, which was the case, I think, in the October 2019 game when he was under the cosh. When that knack of getting big performances when he was on the rocks uh, deserted him last season, that's that's when it spiralled and, and he ended up get, getting the sack by United. Whether Ten Hag actually follows the Solskjaer blueprint will be interesting because if he does... it. it you know, I, I'm sure there'll be some grumbles from supporters that will start to feel, well, is, is this guy any different or different enough to what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does? Because Solskjaer said himself last season, he did not want to play with a back three. He didn't want to have this almost defeatist air about United going into games, but felt that he had to because they were coming up against such better sides in, in his final games. Liverpool and City were two of the teams he came up against in his last four or five weeks. It's still, I mean, Ten Hag is nowhere near that territory yet, but the circumstances are somewhat similar going into this Liverpool game because United are coming off the back of such a, a dreadful defeat to Brentford. So it, whether he's more pragmatic or not remains to be seen, but that's something that the players would would favour. He could, he could easily pick three at the back, right? That might get him out of some of the short-term issues uh, around Maguire and Martinez Heights and, you know, give him a little bit of betting-in opportunity. And, uh, you know, would a nil-all draw tonight not be something that Man United fans are like, well, we've steadied the ship? Well, I think they would snap your hand off at a nil-nil draw just because it would you know, halt the, the the negativity that has started since the, the first, first weekend of the season. I, I can't quite remember the last time Ten Hag would have played with a back three, but certainly when, when Martinez came in, it, it was a question to ask just because it was a huge investment in a in a defender. They'd made huge investments in uh, far more esteemed defenders in, in recent years in Maguire, who is, is still a world record for, for a defender, his transfer fee of 80 million, and, and Rafael Varane coming in last year. But Ten Hag was quite clear to us in in Melbourne during pre-season that he saw Martinez as someone to come in and strengthen the team and Maguire was a first choice. What's interesting is that Ten Hag is, is giving serious consideration to drop in Maguire tonight. It's still unclear if he has taken that decision and followed through with it, but it is something that's on his mind given how, how poorly Maguire has started the season and Varane has to come in this evening. If he does go with a back three, I don't think it would be a major surprise. I don't think he wants to crush Martinez's confidence so quickly. Martinez, of course, can play as defensive midfield, uh, which might be a stopgap option for tonight's game, uh, just because United are going to need someone to hold the fort there against one of the best attacks in football. OK, Liverpool won't have Jota, or who I believe is, is still injured, and, and obviously Darwin Nunez is suspended, but the firepower they have is still 
pretty pretty ominous for United and they put nine goals past them last season. So United are going to need that extra security. They can't be as loose as they were against Brighton, never mind Brentford, when you had Christian Eriksen effectively doubling as a defensive midfielder, which was an experiment that not many people could remember from his Tottenham days. And as is often the case with uh, such, such such experiments in, in football, it didn't work. No, it definitely... Uh, it. <laughs> Famously, it didn't at this stage. Uh, some quickfire questions around transfers. Is Marcus Rashford for sale? Is he? Is is there a possibility he leaves in the next ten days? United would say no. I think it's too much of a stretch for him to go in the next ten days. Uh, PSG did meet with his brother, but they already feel as though they're being used as a negotiation tactic uh, by the brother to get Rashford a new contract. Manchester United, which a lot of United fans would probably laugh at the prospect because like a lot of players, pretty much all the players who are technically out of contract next year but have the plus one option on their deals, United fans would argue that none of them deserve a new contract. And that's the invidious position United are in because they are either going to have to give him a new contract or they're going to have to sell him because letting Marcus Rashford go on a free is just something that they can't entertain. I think he would be 26 at that age. I think with Pogba, it was just about you know understandable because of the way it had unraveled. But I don't think it would get that uh, that that course. I don't think the fans would turn as as virulently against Marcus Rashford as they did with Paul Pogba. Is Jaden Sancho going to be an Eric Ten Hag player? Do you think? I think he's probably one of the players who's got a better chance of it. But one of the issues I certainly had with him when United signed him was that he was used to an environment where there was no pressure and he's gone into the most intense pressure cooker environment in football probably and during pre-season he was excellent he was United's best player but then as soon as the competitive games started as you've seen he's he's regressed and that might be the issue with Sancho in that I don't think it's an issue of ability but being in that pressure cook environment at Manchester United, it, it rumbles players very, very quickly. And last season, it rumbled almost everyone in that squad. And so far, he's not really shown that he's got the nous to to cope with the pressure. But ability-wise, I think he's he's certainly one of the players who's who's likelier to thrive under Ten Hag. Cristiano's uh, cryptic Instagram post about "I'll tell the truth in 14 days" was that like because he'll be somewhere else or was that because the window will be closed and it'll be too late for anything to happen did you have any read on that and does it have any implications about where he's playing football in a couple of weeks well an, an interview's not been promised to me or any of my colleagues so I'd be fascinated to see who, who does end up having that discussion with him but I think that's the, the, the most uh, the, the clearest hint yet from him um, that he he wants to leave. I think it's the closest he's ever going to come to publicly saying that he wants to leave United anyway. But it, it doesn't really help matters. Gary Neville said it last week. If why has he got to wait two weeks? He can he can give that conversation now. If he wanted to have that discussion now, that would be you know, ending the the debate or, or any any sort of uh, rumblings over his future because I think it would be confirmation that, that he is staying, but he's deciding to wait until the transfer window closes, which would again indicate that he's he's holding out for George Mendes, his agent, to make the impossible possible and, and get him a, a, an agreeable move somewhere. I was going to say, it's more than likely he'll interview himself on one of his own channels, but actually he could get George Mendes to interview him and, you know, one of those They'll hard-hitting... Find someone. Yeah. I mean, it's just a perfectly yeah. normal Manchester United story, isn't it, to have a player promising a tell-all interview in two weeks? Yeah. 
this is this is normal. Be, you know, normal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, uh, you must feel like you're somehow in an episode of Succession most of the time, Samuel. Uh, either that, or I've, uh, it's certainly in recent weeks, it's felt like I've started writing for Private Eye, uh, writing about a bit for Marco Arnautovic and United, comparing him to uh, players from yesteryear who they deemed successes, who were actually not successes. I mean, Mar- Arnautovic was likened to Laurent Blanc as a pragmatic short-term signing, as if, I mean, for people who can't remember, Laurent Blanc was, was a world-class player when he was at Inter Milan and Barcelona. He was certainly not... At Manchester United, it was one of the worst pieces of business that Sir Alex Ferguson ever did in, in selling Yapstan and bringing him in. So uh, it, it has felt extremely surreal. Uh, and, and as I said, with the Casemiro deal, that that just seemed fanciful. I think speaking to colleagues, we all thought, well, yeah, come August 31st, Real Madrid will be announcing that Casemiro has got a new contract. But amazingly, United have got this one over the line, which again just highlights the desperation at the club. If you had to guess, how many more signings will there be in this window, do you think? Uh, I, I'd, I'd say a minimum one, but they would want to. I think they want a backup goalkeeper still, which is not a particularly, um, you know, that would not be a significant signing. But they, I, I still think they will get another forward in just because they, they do not have established depth in that squad. And the Ronaldo situation, uh, they, they need someone who's going to offer them a different attacking outlet. But if it is Anthony, there's no guarantee that he's going to be a reliable source of goals. And that's the problem they've got with the forwards who Ten Hag sets on in pre-season, Marshall, Sancho and, and Rashford. None of them are dependable goal scorers. The only dependable goal scorer in the squad wants out. Samuel, great stuff. Thanks a million. Enjoy the game tonight. Cheers. Thank you very much. Nice to be on. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.